Thanks, Chad. Morning, everybody. It's always uh, lovely to be in family. Um, yeah, I just want to honor Chad and Nicolene. I've known them for many years, to over two, more than two decades, and saw them at their wedding. And yeah, just, you know when you stay in someone's house, you, you can see them for who they are. They can't hide. And, uh, and they, they're the real deal in my eyes. They, I always refer people to them as an example for raising children. Um, and so, yeah, they've done really well. Well done, you guys. You've been good and faithful servants. You've been through much, and you've come out still smelling the fragrance of the Lord. So, well done. No. <laughs> good friends. And, you know, it's really so important to position ourselves well. I mean, just to put you in the picture, Jenny and I don't think very highly of ourselves. We have to continuously have to work the opposite and think, okay, well, Lord, why have you put us here to influence and strengthen the churches? We're in a different church every weekend, uh, sometimes a couple of churches in one week. And, um, and we often think, but why, Lord? Why us? So we, we're not deserving. We're nothing special. We haven't got much to offer. And yet God uses us. We, so we... we we live in per, per, perpetual amazement and astonishment at what he's raised up. And it's so helpful when people position themselves well uh, to, to journey in this life. And they've done that. They've modeled that. They're, they're easy to lead. You know, Hebrews 13, 7, obey your leaders. And it's, and it's not something you want to, you know, we don't want to tell people what to do. In fact, it's, it's, actually, if you look in the scripture, Paul sometimes says, you know, command those who are rich and and, and, and um, um Jude, he says to the one, the slave owner, he says, I could have told you what to do, but I'd rather you do it from your heart. And that's so much easier to lead people when they position themselves well like that. And so we know that, that God has raised us up. Uh, and and you know, 2 Corinthians, Paul says, God's given me an authority to build you up, not to break you down. To build you up, not to break you down. And so I, I'm, I'm convinced that there is an authority of, on, on us as leaders to take God's people towards him. We're not bringing them towards ourselves. We bring them towards Jesus. Our job is to point you to Jesus and, and to build you up in the faith. So that one day, we, the Bible says we've got to present you to Christ. And as a, Paul says, even as a virgin bride. And so we ask to be part of that process. You've got to allow God to change you and work in you. And then we've got a role to play in terms of feeding you, teaching you, protecting you, directing the affairs of the church. There's so many scriptures. Actually, not what I want to preach about at all this morning. Um, this is the preamble to the preamble. Um, and, but, 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 you know, I said to guys, I've, I've, you know, especially working with a new church, you don't know them. This church I'm comfortable in. I'm, I know I've got freedom here. But some churches, you're not so sure. They're, they're, they start, they're still new partnering with us. And I said, you know what? I believe God's raised us up to help you, but that, that help stays at the door unless you allow it in. And it's going to be useless out there. If you don't allow it in, it's here to bless you and to, and to bring you into a place of maturity and health. And so that's what it's all about. And, um, and even this morning, I've changed sort of direction. I've, gone, uh, I've got a, a word that I, I like to preach around wherever I go. It's one of my favorites um, that I have. I'm a bit better than Jonathan Stansfield's father. He's only got three preachers. I've got a bit more than that. Um, but this is one of my favorites in terms of, it's about the road marked out for us, you know, because there's a road marked out for every one of us. And Rian, are you able to put that picture up straight away? Um, I'll just put a picture. That's a GPS line. You see the blue line? You see the gray line? So the blue line is the preferred one. And that's our journey home, roughly. Uh, it is, yeah. And, uh, but you can do the gray line, but it's very uh, 
long way around. Does it give the time there? No, but normally it's, you know, it's a lot further. Um, and can, can you want to put up the first scripture, uh, Hebrews 12, oh, Hebrews 11, 39 through to 12, verse 3. There we go. Um, not referring back to the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, it, tell, it, just, it, it speaks of these amazing people and how they just laid their lives down, all the heroes of the faith, and they didn't receive what they were promised, but they stayed faithful even still, and they considered themselves aliens in this life, and uh, it says these, these were all commended for their faith talking about the heroes of the faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God has planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So therefore, there's lots of therefores in the Bible, that's why you always read what's before that. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, fix, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Is that the end of that section? Yeah. So there's a road, there's a road marked out for us. And... Um, and for every one of you, as an individual, you, there's a road that God's got marked out for you. And are you, do you, are you on that blue line or are you on the gray line? Which line are you on? That's the question. You need to continue to ask yourself, Lord, where am I in, the, in your plan, purpose for my life? And the will, because, you know, Jesus said, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. And he laid down his life at that point. And so you're going to come to many situations in your life where, Lord, am I on the blue line or have I, got, have I detoured onto the gray line? Um, two years ago, virtually exactly, uh, I was in the Netherlands, and we've got a church there in Aardewater, and it's uh, 50 kilometers south of Amsterdam. And my youngest son, James, who, uh, he lives in Amsterdam for about seven or eight years now, and he's actually coming out to get married in December to his Russian fiance, and uh, they're both chartered accountants, and uh, she's a little thing, and he's quite tall, and... Um, and so the, the, the guy leads the church, Peter, in, in Aldovata. He says, why don't you take my car and go and see your son Saturday afternoon? You know, had a bit of an hour or two free. So I said, that's great. Uh, but I'm not, I've never driven on the wrong side of the road before. Sorry, any European people here or Americans. Um, I don't know why they, you sit in the passenger seat. And, but thankfully, they've moved the steering wheel to that side of the car as well. Um, so... You know, I'll try and give you the short version. Uh, so Peter says, take this little car. Now, normally Jenny's with me, and she wasn't with me on this occasion. So she would have the GPS and say, you know, and she'd be holding it and, and directing. But I had no Jenny. I said, I had Mildred, we call her. Um, <laughs> Mildred uh, speaking to me, and I didn't have it in front of me. I had my phone, downloaded maps, and I'm not very tech-savvy at all. So I've got these downloaded sort of once-only maps, and it's sitting down by the gear lever. And so I had to drive to Amsterdam 50 kilometers on the wrong side of the road, sitting on the wrong side of the car, trying to listen to Mildred, getting off six lanes, and your muscle memory keeps wanting you to go to the other side of the road, and it was a nightmare getting there, but it, was, it got worse. I get to Amsterdam. Anybody driven in Amsterdam before? You have. We'll share notes afterwards. Um, you still look okay. Uh, um, it's, it's an old city. And it's one-way streets, and there's all these bicycle people. And so, 
I think the police are still looking for me. I think I killed about 50 of them. Um, because they've got, they've got priorities. They've got these rules that apply to them. And, uh, and, it, and, and I, I was trying to stay on the blue line all the time. And every now and again, I get onto the gray line. And I'm panicking now because it's one way you've you got to turn around and, and getting, it's, it's, it's really, is, it's quite terrifying. I even knock, I mean, I'm quite a good driver. I've been driving since 1977. I never had an accident. But I knocked someone's mirror. I just thought, I thought, oh, that's their problem. Um, <laughs> added to my list, Dutch police, and, uh, of misdemeanors. And so eventually I get into my son's road and the road works across and says, Omkir, go back. So I said, no, I'm not going back. I'm stopping right here. I'm phoning my son. I said, I don't care if this phone call costs me my whole house. Um, I'm making this phone call. I phoned my son, James, come and find me. And so it was terrifying. I've got to be honest. I actually got quite stressed through that whole process. Um, and I just realized how important it is to stay on the blue line, you know. And how sometimes it can be difficult if you don't know the terrain. And it's, 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 it's wild out there. And you need that blue line. You need to stay on it. And if you get onto the gray line, it, it can be very difficult to get back on. And, and you can get a lot of pain. I got a lot of pain going onto the gray line. And a lot of gray hairs going onto the gray line. Um, I was like, yeah, I used to be blonde three months ago, three years ago. Um, <laughs> But, you know, God's got a plan for every single one of us. And this morning, I want to challenge everyone. Where are you positioned in God's plan? Um, how are you doing in, in your journey? You know, have, I've been walking with the Lord now for 43 years, and we meet a lot of people, and often you sit with them, and you, and you try and find out, where are you tracking? How's things going with you? Because um, we want to guide people. You know, part of our role is to help people get back onto that blue line of, of where God wants them and to find out, Lord, what, what, how am I doing? Because, you know, we, we can easily just judge ourselves and, and make a mistake because you're not a good judge of yourself. You're going to make mistakes. That's why God's put us in the body. He's made us want to, need to be accountable to each other. So the first thing I think we need to, to realize, and if you want to, I think I gave it to you at the end, Arion, but Hebrews 13, 17, 16, while we're still in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, 13. Um, so. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. And that may apply to some of you today. That you, what happened, God? You know, I thought you had promised me things, and they don't seem to have come to pass. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He's prepared a city for them. And so, is, it, is, is there a longing in your heart for heaven? I was actually going to preach this morning on a he heavenly preach, so maybe I'll mix, I'll mangle the two. Um, but, you know, is there a, a deep longing in your heart for heaven? That you can't wait to get there, that, that that's where the blue line's taking you to. That's the journey. That's the race that you're running to receive the prize. There's other scriptures we can, we can read soon. Um, there's, there's a prize. That's Jesus himself to be with him for all eternity. And that's the great prize that we are looking for. Um, I had COVID about three years ago. With Short story, they basically said, you're going to die. Get ready. And so I didn't die because uh, through prayer and good medical in intervention, it was at the heart of one of the bad waves. And... Uh, and so when I got home, I, I'd ex exited my, in myself, I'd left this world. I'd, I'd, I, was, I was gone. And so when I walked into my house, I said, this is not my house. This is not my home. 
I was just longing to go to be with them, you know. And like Paul said, I, he said, I long to, to, to go be with the Lord. But he said, I'll stay for your sake. Sounds very gracious of him, eh? Um, and I, I, that's the only thing I think that motivated me to stay was just my wife, Jenny. I don't want to leave her, uh, my, my sons, uh, my granddaughters, um, you know, they're just, and just mostly probably the church, the precious bride of Christ. If God still wants to use me, if he still thinks I can be used, then Lord, here I am, you know. And so, but I, I really at that point, it, I've always lived in the strong understanding of, of eternity in heaven, um, but it dawned on me even deep at that point that we're aliens. They're always making movies about aliens, but we're right here, man. They could just come show a camera here and save the money of creating all these funny creatures. Yeah, we are. We're the aliens. This is not our earth. This is not our home. This is not our place. We are, the Bible says, you are angels and aliens and strangers on this earth. And we've got to live with that tension and understanding. Lord, this whole life just points to that life. And am I, and am I tracking on that blue line? Am I on, on the right road to get into that place? Because we are, we are, hopefully most of us here are born again. I would assume we, this is the gathering of the church, the, the saints. Um, there may be some here who are not born again. And by the way, there's only one type of Christian that's born again, uh, Jesus said. And so if you're not born again, we're going to give, hopefully give opportunity at the end just to make right with God, you know, just to be certain, to be sure that you know Him, that you will see that rich heavenly welcome when you get there one day. Um, but 1 Corinthians 9 to 24 says, run to get the prize. Um, Philippians 3.14 says, press on towards the goal to win the prize. I don't know if you managed to get all these. I'm just throwing them out there. Uh, but just understand the prize. Um, 1994, anybody into motor racing here? Motor racing, Formula One. Um, not many hands. Well, George hasn't reached you yet. In Cape Town, they're all into it now. And uh, you may think, is there a heaven? Do you think you live in George? There is more than this, okay? Um, <laughs> when you sing, there's got to be more than this. You can meet, there is, Okay. <laughs> Real story. Um, but 1994, uh, there was an Italian Grand Prix, and there was a famous racing driver called Ayrton Senna, and, um, and uh, he, um, he was, he was like considered the greatest driver of his time, uh, really a major world champion. And the day before, I think it was the, the, the day before the Grand Prix during practice, uh, an Austrian driver, Roland Ratzenberger, had crashed at very high speed, and he got a basal fracture, and he died in the accident. And the first accident they had in Formula One from a death for many years. And, and, and Ayrton Senna was shocked by this. He was really traumatized by this whole thing. And he was on pole position, it means number one. And he had the Austrian flag with him, and he had it in the cockpit of his car that if he won, he was going to pull it out and wave it in honor of Roland Ratzenberger. But he was distraught. And uh, his sister said on the day of the race, he said, he said to um, he went to God and he prayed. I don't know how much Christian he was, but I'm just saying this was his prayer. And he went to like, seek out God in the scriptures. And he felt he got a word from God saying that uh, today you'll get the greatest prize, myself. And there was a, <laughs> they still really don't know why he'd, how, he, how he crashed, but he crashed at uh, the Tamborello curve. His car didn't take the corner. He was leading the race and he went straight off. And with a freak accident, a piece of suspension broke and hit him on the side of the head. And I, you, I was watching it live. And you, you see him sitting in the car, and the marshals don't know what to do. The medics arrive. And um, they get him out, and he... And, um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy, um, Professor Sid Watkins, who was the main medical guy, he went around to every race. He said, I'm not a religious man, but 
He said, well, I was working on it, and he just breathed out, and I felt his soul left his body. And, um, but the thing that he got the word that day, today you'll get the greatest gift, myself. And that's the greatest gift. That's the prize that we are we're going. You know, we can, it says you're going to get a city. We're going to rule and reign in eternity. We're going to, the heaven's going to be a beautiful. There's going to be a new earth, a new heaven. It's going to be an amazing. You're actually going to work, but it's not going to be hard work like this because you won't have this body. You'll have a, a, a resurrected body, be perfect. You'll have no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. Um, but all that you'll experience and God himself will be there. I will dwell with my people. And that's the prize that we're aiming for. And when you live with that understanding, it makes this life so much easier, number one, just to tolerate for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy, he saw this. He, he visualized, he understood this is going to be his reward, Jesus, his bride. You, you are his bride, and you are becoming perfect and beautiful in his sight. As you become, you are holy and you're becoming holy. And that, that is, the Bible says that the bride gets herself ready for that day. It's going to be a glorious wedding. We're looking forward to the wedding of our son. In fact, our middle son's getting married March next year as well. So we've got a lot of weddings on the horizon. And we're all excited. The brides are getting themselves ready. It's all about wedding dresses and it's, it's quite a palaver, you know. And... Um, I'm just pitching up and I'm doing the weddings, but, but they're, gonna, they're doing the preparation. They're getting themselves ready for that day. It's such a beautiful picture of, of us as the bride of Christ getting ourselves ready for that day. But it's, in, it's imperative and it's so important that we stay on the blue line. Because having you know, served the Lord all these years and, and been in ministry for so many years, watch many people fall away, just lose hearts, get tired, grow weary of doing good. Uh, the, the joy gets robbed out of them. The worries and cares of this world chokes the life of God out of them. And that's why we've got to stay close together as the bride, as the family of God, and say, Lord, um, we've got to encourage each other while you see that day approaching. And, and, and Present yourselves to Jesus, and you can't do this alone. You're not called to be individual Christians. You're called to be a part of the body. God, God always looks at the body. He looks at us as a collective, as a whole. Israel, he saw as a whole. If one of them sinned, they all got nailed. Um, they all got, you know, there's blessing upon all of them for one man's obedience. Um, so Jesus has been obedient, even unto death. And so we're his reward. And are you getting yourself ready for that day? for when Jesus comes back for his bride. Um, in Galatians 2.20, if you want to put that up, um, you know, what are some of the things we have to look at? Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live. And um, I often share the story of, I think I shared with the leaders last night, um, a guy called William Booth who, who started the Salvation Army in the 1800s in, in London. And uh, then they also went across to America with his wife, Catherine. Um, and they were a very powerful ministry in, of their day. And they were the guys who took, I think they were the guys who took pub songs and, and changed all the words and took them to the streets. They went onto the streets. You know, today the Salvation Army is not seen maybe in the same light. But in those days, they, a, they, were, they were on fire for God and really believed in taking the gospel onto the streets. And when they interviewed uh, William Booth at the end of his life, an old man, and, and the interviewer said, William Booth, how come your life has counted so much for God? He said this, one simple statement, because God got all of William Booth. God got all of William Booth. In order to stand that blue line, you've got to know that God has got all of you. And put your name in there. Take out his name and put your name. 
God has got all of. And just mention your name there and say, but if you can't say that, then don't say it. Because you're not being truthful. But you can still say, Lord, I want to put my name there. I want to change, Lord. I need to change. You haven't got all of me. You've got part of me. And you know the Bible talks about, I wasn't even going to go in this direction, but the Bible in Revelation talks about a lukewarm Christian. And doesn't say, okay, lukewarm Christian, it's okay. Life was tough, I know. You know, you had a hard life, you had a hard upbringing, it was things that weren't good for you, things were counted against you, and you know, you, you had a rough start. And he doesn't say that, you know. And there's so much in Scripture because that he says, you know, depart from me. I'm going to remove your lampstand. If you, and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm sort of mingling a few scriptures there. Um, and so, but that, that, there's quite a few scriptures that touch each other in this point of that God is displeased with those who, who don't use what He's given them. He is. He's not just, it's not just, okay, man, ne- no, next time, okay, try again next time. But there's no next time. It's basically, and He says, when in the parable in Matthew, He says, uh, when the God got His talents and He just presents them back to Jesus unused. Because he expects us, he, the two guys who multiplied them, he said, well done. That's what I expected, multiplication of your life. And the, guys who, the guy who, took it, who buried his, he didn't say, um, hey, stranger, you know, take that strange, stranger's gift away from him. He that, that servant, which means he knew him. And he took it away and he said, cast this guy out. He gave that gift to the guys who were using their gifts. And, I, you know, I mentioned in the beginning that Jenny and I don't regard ourselves as highly gifted, and we still don't. Um, but the reality is we're walking in probably other people's gifting. Uh, I've got so many stories to tell on that one. But, but I really believe that I've, got, I've, I've just taken, where the other guys haven't walked in their gift, I think I've, I've just been so hungry for it. I said, Lord, use me, because there's work to be done. I, not for my glory, for yours, but if there's work to be done, here I am. I was a businessman for 23 years and went into, not everyone has to go into ministry like this, because we're all in ministry. You're in ministry wherever you are. Your life should be counting. There's not the paid professionals here. We're just one. We're just some who are more privileged to be able to do what we do. Maybe it's not even a privilege. I don't know. I think it's a privilege to be in the marketplace. I, love, I used to love being amongst unsafe people. What? It's so lovely, man. They, they were swearing and carrying on. and That's what I was like before I got saved. But I want to be there. I want to take the good news. I want to be at the coalface where that's happening and tell them about Jesus, you know. So it's a privilege to be in the marketplace. Really, it is. So many guys want to come out of there and just be in, in the church, you know, full-time in the church. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But if that's what God's plan is for you, then go for it. But if it's not, and you, you, your, your, your calling is not to have a career, and church is just like a side, you know, being part of the church like a little, you know, I've got part of the fishing club and the darts club, and you know, I go to church, just my, part of my club life, you know. This is not a club, this is it. This is the most precious thing. This was bought with the blood of Jesus. He laid down his life for this. There's nothing greater than this. There's no mention of careers in the Bible. I mean, when I was young, I thought, wow, I'm on a career path, and it's amazing. And, you know, we were sent to Cape Town. I was working for Total, the French petroleum guys, and the chemical side. And I've still got the letter today where, hey, I was, we were in Durban at the time, and they said, go to the Cape for a year and a half, and then go to Europe for two years, then go back to Durban and oversee all the factories in South Africa. That's an amazing career path, but the Lord has tore that up and said, no, I want you here. And I'm in ministry now, and you don't, let me tell you something, we're not in this for the money. Because your salary takes a bit of a skydive when you come into ministry. Um, it's, it's, you're not, you're certainly, we're not, maybe the guys on TV, our TV ministries are doing well, but we'd, we're okay. We just want enough for our needs. That's, God says He will cover our needs and look after us, and that's all we need. Um, but the point is, you know, we've got to be on the blue line for our lives too. 
Are we on that blue line? How are we tracking? How, how are we doing in the Lord and, and all this? So let's run for that prize, you know. Don't, and we read in Hebrews there, it says, don't let the sin of this world so easily entangle you. It easily entangles us. I watch Christians drifting away. God doing well, come, comes a girlfriend. Boy doing well, here comes a girlfriend. Relationships, you know, divorces, all these things can happen, but we've got to try and get back onto that blue line all the time. You may get onto the gray line at times. Don't panic. Let's help you get back onto the blue line where God wants you. But work with us. Because we want to we present you to Jesus one day as holy and perfect in Him. Do you believe that? We just read it in the Word, hey? If you've got offenses, get over your offenses, man. If you've got unforgiveness towards anyone, get over it. And my mom went to be with the Lord two months ago, and she had a stroke in June. And we drove up to Durban to go and organize her into hospital and, and, then, and oversee everything, pack up all her stuff. Um, and then while she was there, she's 90, 90, she was 90 years old. And she said, why am I still alive? I want to die. Because I led it to the Lord shortly after I got saved. So she, she knows the Lord. And so we said, well, maybe there's some things you need to make right to, and before you go to see Jesus face to face. She said, yes, there is someone. There's some people I need to forgive. Let me get some things off my chest. Things from childhood, you know, a 90-year-old woman lying there. And she got free and she said, prayed and released people. But we shouldn't wait for so long. We should do it now. Keep short accounts. When I was lying in hospital and they said, okay, you must probably won't make the night. And then I said, Lord, here I am. Search my heart. You know, is there anything I need to make right, right now? But I've learned to keep short accounts and walk close to God. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And if the Lord says, hey, forgive Benny now because he crashed your car. You set free. What's a car? You know, what's this? What's these things? Just let them go. We've lost our whole house, man, through family members going to liquidation, and we had to pay into their liquidation, lost our whole house, which was paid off, and started gaining the age of 40, you know, from ground zero, and then we went to the ministry, and we went reverse, and uh, <laughs> there's almost a caravan, and so, yeah, but just, we live in freedom, we set them free, we, we can't be angry, and man, they were robbed in this life, you know, what are, what are these things, the Bible says they had their possessions taken away, and that is whatever, you know. Are you living with an open hand, everything just free? And Lord, I want to stand that blue line. Yeah. Here's my life. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm giving all over to you, Lord. And I want, to, I want to say, Jesus, you got all of me. All of me, Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? You may, as I said earlier, you may not be a good judge yourself. You may need to go to some other Christians who are more mature and walking ahead of you in the Lord. And say, help me. Am I doing all right? Am I... You know, guard me in this, because we, we are here to walk alongside you with encouragement and, and uh, sometimes the Bible says correction, rebuke, and all these things, and sometimes we've got, to, we've got to walk ahead, Hebrews 13, 7 says, by example, so we've got to model something, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, um, so all these things, come to the more mature believers and say, help me walk on that blue line, I want to get back on there. Um, you may have drifted off. You may have had words spoken of your life when you were younger, and you're not, you, you haven't seen them come to pass. Maybe you need to just find out and get some guidance on that. Because 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, um, have you got that for us? Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. You, know, you thought there were no rules in the kingdom. Well, there are. There's values that God's given us, things that He wants us to live by. The, the big one I've mentioned, forgiveness. Um, that's a massive value. In fact, most of our counseling re often re re revolves around that. Have you forgiven? Have you set free? Um, are you 
Are you angry with God? I mean, I can, you know, sometimes we get angry with God. We have expectations of God, and they don't come to pass, and then we get disappointed in God. I've seen that, where people f- drift off, you know. And we've seen some, I don't want to give too many examples. Um, but you've got to compete by the rules. And not your rules, not this world's rules, but God's rules. Lord, what do you say? What do you say, Lord? Search the Scriptures. We had a guy recently in another city, and he said, he wants to ask a question. I think he embarrassed all these senior leaders. He said, uh, if I get a rhema word, you know, does it sort of uh, override the Bible? Well, no, it doesn't. Um, a rhema word means a spoken word from God. And uh, so it's just misunderstanding, you know, any prophetic words you get. And we've seen guys justifying divorces and all sorts of sin. Um, and that because they feel that God has told them they can do things and go against His Word, you can't go against His Word. We can't go beyond what's written. And this is, this is a powerful holy word, hey? It's more powerful than you realize. And we could just sit here all morning just reading Scripture and it'll set people free. It's, so, it's got that power. And when Paul refers to the, the power, you know, often we think of miracles and bodies getting healed. But the most powerful thing to get healed is our, is our, our soul of who we are. Because when set my people free, God, Jesus came to set captives free and lead the captives in, in, in freedom. Lead us into freedom. We're no longer captives to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. Right. So let's land on Philippians. One, one to six. Hmm? Have I given it to you? Oh, sorry. Philippians one, one to six. I thought it was on my list. I will read it. One, one to six. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And I feel a confidence this representing the Lord as a messenger boy this morning, um, that is a confidence of God, God's got over your lives. That he, what He started, He will finish. What He started, He will finish. And uh, so let's present ourselves this morning. I think, you know, I, I'm not always, never often sure how to always land meetings and where to go to from here, try and pick up in the Lord what He's trying to say to us and what He's highlighting. But I really believe the Lord wants to restore this morning some folk back onto that blue line. And it could just be, it could be like a sin matter that you've got easily entangled in sin. And, uh, or it could be just um, a selfish matter, which is still sin at the end of the day, where you've gone in your own direction for your own protecting, you're building your own kingdom, and you're trying to do a bit of God's kingdom as well. You're trying to be in two camps and two worlds. And God's calling us to be single-minded. As his people, he will bless you in, in terms of this life and this world. He'll look after you, but he wants your heart. He wants your heart. Does he have your heart? And your heart is your decision making place. It's your will. Not my will be done, Lord, but yours. Jesus was, I, I, love, I love people's weaknesses because it, it actually talks about in our, in our weakness, he shows his strength. And even Jesus made himself lower than the Father for a season, and he, he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he's still, we were in the Garden of Gethsemane about four years ago, 
And um, it's just amazing that Jesus was here wrestling. And the fact that he showed a bit of weakness for me was, ah, you know, because it says that he, he experienced every temptation that we experienced. Every. I mean, can you imagine that? It's like everything that, that we are experiencing today, he experienced as well. And at that point, he said, Lord, is there not another way? Like, because you know, the cross was a pretty miserable way to die. It was extremely painful and all those, you, you know the story. Uh, um, but he said, Lord, but not my will be done. Yours be done. And for the joy set before him. So if this morning, you maybe need your joy restored. And what is the cross all about? Maybe the cross has seemed too, too hard and too much to give up in order to serve Jesus. And that's often sometimes the dilemma. Lord, am I prepared to give everything up in this world in order to serve you? And, and you're prepared to give up your salvation because I believe you can lose your salvation. Maybe, maybe you don't agree with that statement. There's so many scriptures in my, that I read, and I hate to make, you know, the guys who believe the opposite one get to heaven one day and find out they were wrong. They're going to be in big trouble. At least we're going to, we might be seen a little bit legalistic, but at least we're, we'll be on the right side of the Lord on this one. Um, but I believe that potentially you can lose your salvation. Um, and so I wouldn't take that chance on, if, on this side of eternity. I'd rather say, Lord, here I am. I belong to you. And I lay down. Sometimes you've got to lay down things in this life in order to gain glory. We just read the heroes of the faith. They laid down things that they wanted. And, um, and things of this life. They said, this is not our world. And so even relationships in this world, would you really want to give up your relationship with the Lord for a, relationship, a little created human being um, who's going to end up, their body's going to disappear anyhow. So... You know, it just, just doesn't make sense. So don't, this morning, maybe some of you need to make decisions and get back on that blue line and say, Lord, will you pick that blue line picture up again one more time, please, Ryan? Maybe, maybe that's just visualize it as your life. And maybe you are being tempted right now. Maybe you've been through temptation and haven't really wrestled this thing to the ground. But you've got to get back on that blue line of, of where the Lord wants you. Not my will be done, Lord. Your will be done. Some, maybe some of you need to make that de declaration. And that God's got to get all, link it up with God's got to get all of your heart. All of your heart. Because listen here, not only are we called to love the Lord, but we're called to represent Him in this world. And George, as a church, you guys, you know, Chad and I, we read that scripture in 2 Corinthians, said He wants to make Himself known through us. The fragrance of Himself known through us, the knowledge of Him. That's a powerful statement. We're the fragrance that God wants to distribute around George and South Africa and the world. And it starts here. It starts with us making decisions. Lord, I'm all yours. I belong to you. Can you do that this morning? Let's stand. <coughs> Let's close our eyes and just, where you are, just, just have an, an encounter with God. Well, that's by, you do that by presenting yourself. Just, Softening your heart, saying, Lord, here's my heart. I belong to you, Jesus. You, you purchased me at such a great price. How can I get distracted by the things of this world? How can I, Lord? I lay them down afresh this morning. I put them at your feet, Lord Jesus. I belong to you. And some of you need to learn to trust God again. Do you trust Him with your life? Have you trusted Him in the past and things haven't always turned out the way you expected and you're a bit afraid to trust God again? If that's you. Get healed this morning. He is the healer.
By stripes we have been healed on so many aspects, so many fronts, so many areas. Get healed this morning. If you've been disappointed in where you've, life, the way life has gone and the way things have turned out, ask the Lord for healing this morning. Get back on that blue line of your heart. Put your heart back on that blue line. Say, Lord, here it is. I'm off the gray. I'm on the blue. Take all of me, Lord. Because I tell you what, when, as a people of God, when we come into alignment with Him, He can work through us. We can become that fragrance. Jesus, work in us as your people in George. This family, this part of your body. We present ourselves this morning and say, Lord, take all of me. Take all of me, Lord. And consider those words carefully. Can you say that? Take all of me. And I'll ask you all to join me in, in saying it again this morning. Lord, I'm all yours. I'm all yours, Lord. Take, take my heart, Lord Jesus. I present it to you afresh this morning. Forgive me, Lord, for looking at the gray line and thinking that it holds life. Lord, the life is in the blue. The blue line where you've called me to be. Thank you, Jesus.